the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Good to see you. 888-528-2557 is the number. Last night in the Republican debate, if you happen to watch it, and uh, we're not going to play the clips as I explained in the last hour because Fox News has uh, some very, very odd and difficult uh, restrictions on it, uh, which we talked about last hour. So uh, I'm going to read something to you because one of the most interesting parts of the debate, I think, for particularly for the Republicans, and they have to have adult conversations about this, they really do, is on the issue of abortion. And there was a back and forth between Nikki Haley and Mike Pence about how to lead through this. And Nikki Haley was suggesting that Republicans need to come to a consensus, such as maybe a 15-week ban federally and other things like that. And um, Mike Pence was saying, no, we need to lead people into uh, understanding that abortion is wrong. And you know, he said, to be honest with you, Nikki, you're my friend, but consensus is the opposite of leadership. It was a pretty good line there. And uh, there's a whole other debate going on, too, about whether or not this is a state's issue or a federal issue. Should the federal government be involved at all? And uh, it's an interesting one. But then Nikki Haley came back, who calls herself uh, unapologetically pro-life. She says, when you're talking about a federal ban, be honest with the American people, she said, arguing that the 60-vote filibuster, therefore, uh, in the Senate— uh, is not something that Republicans are going to be able to defeat. And he said, do not make women, she said, do not make women feel like they have to decide on this issue. I thought it was all pretty interesting that they're going to have to decide, Republicans are going to have to decide this. But on the other hand, something we've talked a lot about on the show is that the entire conversation about abortion is changing. And one of the reasons that it's changing is because of the abortion pill. And because it's not the same as going to a clinic anymore, there is an entire difference in how uh, abortions are being done, how abortions are being uh, promoted. And uh, there have been some good good news coming out of the courts. Here to talk with me about this is Eric Baptist. He's from Alliance Defending Freedom. And there's been a recent great decision just last week, a unanimous panel for the United States Fifth Circuit Court, uh, ruled against the FDA on this. And uh, Eric's going to explain that to us. Welcome to the program, Eric. Thank you for having me. Hey, great to have you. We're with Alliance Defending Freedom. And uh, you are involved, your organization is involved in this court. Have you been a part of these arguments specifically? I have, yes, yeah, since the beginning. Yeah. So tell us what's happening with the, the abortion pill, Mifepristone, I think is what it's called, or Mifepristone. And uh, there have been a few decisions. See, and this changes things with, with the different states having different rules about abortions, limitations, 15 weeks, six weeks, no abortions, different things. It's an entirely different conversation if the pills can be mailed uh, over state lines. And so w- describe this issue to us. Yeah. And before I worked on this case, I didn't even know all the facts behind it because yeah. I used to I still do. I go pray outside of the local abortion facility and think the brick and mortar abortion facility is what most people do. 
In reality, over 50%, maybe even 60% of all abortions are committed by chemical means and largely within the homes, dorm rooms, or bathrooms of women across this country. It's Did no you longer- say 60% now? Six zero, 60%. Correct. Yeah, that's huge. People need to understand that. And so what last when the Supreme Court issued its Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, one of the things it said was the, the promise of Dobbs was to return the issue of abortion back to the people and their elected representatives. But ever since the Dobbs decision, the Biden administration in particular has sought to undermine those states and those people who have decided to protect life and women who are harmed by abortion by mailing these drugs across state lines to states where these restrictions and protections reside. And so the promise of Dobbs cannot be fulfilled unless the abortion pill or chemical abortion drugs are taken off the marketplace or basic protections are put back into place that the Biden administration in particular have removed. We had a uh, guest on a while ago who was an OBS, uh, an OBGYN who was describing what this pill does and the difficulties that women actually have. It's not communicated. It's another thing where the the dangerous side to this and then what actually happens to your body, what you have to go through after. It's not just you take a pill and forget about it. Uh, it is a traumatic thing that's going to happen to women when they take this pill. So there's multiple issues here. And the Biden administration, in response to the Dobbs decision, has worked hard to promote the the use of this pill over state lines, but no one's talking about the danger of it. Correct. It's a two-drug regimen. The first one, as you said, is mifepristone. That essentially ends the unborn life inside the mother. The second one is misoprostol, and that induces labor and delivery uh, of the baby in the, in, from the mother. And so what happens is, because the Biden administration says you no longer have to see a doctor, you never have to have an in-person visit to determine you have any complications, and you can do this from, they say, the comfort of your own home, but really it's not the safety of your own home. It's not within the safety of a medical facility. It's doing it by yourself. So when women go through this a uh, horrific incident where they have this baby, they induced miscarriage and an abortion at home. We have stories upon stories where women are just horrified by what they see once the mm. baby comes out of them. They have been lied to. They didn't realize what they were doing to themselves and to their unborn baby. When we talk about this drug itself, there was an erroneous report on CNN that said that the complications with this drug are the same as complications with Tylenol, which is completely false. And uh, this case revolves a lot around the the FDA and their decision to allow this pill to be distributed. Um, what did the FDA do wrong in uh, their evaluation of this medicine? Well, I will answer that with a rhetorical question: What didn't they? What did they do right? right. Because from the beginning, what the FDA had to do, they decided to fast track approve this during the Clinton administration. But to use the fast track authority, the FDA had to call pregnancy an illness. The, which we all know is patently wow. untrue. I didn't know that part. Yeah, and so this is part of our lawsuit. We said, well, they used the wrong approval pathway, and by doing so, they had to call pregnancy an illness. And one of the judges of our court from the last week said, asked the FDA's attorneys, the U.S. Department of Justice, and said, uh, because when we had oral argument in front of the courts right after Mother's Day, they said, do we celebrate an illness on Mother's Day? Because he was mm-hmm. like, how can the FDA with a straight face call pregnancy and illness but that's exactly what the fda had to do they were supposed to they were supposed to study the effects of this drug on teenage girls because there's a law and a rule that requires that they waived that requirement so again we don't know the short-term or long-term impacts of girls who get this drug and frankly there's no age minimum uh, to this drug so anybody can get this drug without parental consent without knowledge 
And that is what's happened across the United States. And, and a basic requirement of the FDA by Congress, when they delegate this authority to the FDA, is when you have a drug and you prove it, based on its labeled use and its instructions, you should have safety tests that show that the drug is safe and effective for the use on the label. Mm. One thing the FDA has never done in its 22 years of this drug has studied the actual labeled use of this drug. They always have additional protections, such as an ultrasound, when they conduct these studies. But what we know is there's never been a requirement to conduct an ultrasound to identify life-threatening ectopic pregnancies or to even determine gestational age because the FDA once said it was up to seven weeks, now it's to 10 weeks. As the baby gets older, more complications are likely to occur. And they just have refused to do anything about it. This is a huge scandal, uh, you know, scientifically. We're living in an age when we don't trust our institutions anyway. And, you know, every time I see a drug advertised on TV, you know, it tells me how great it's going to be for me. But then there's the fine print and the guy who talks really fast at the end. You know, he says, you know, don't use this if you like to live in the daytime. Don't do all this. You know, it's going to cause all these things. It's going to cause diarrhea and, and, and sore joints or death. They have to put that in there, right? But they're not doing that so much with this drug. Is that correct? Well, they, they, they are not even tracking the complications, so right. it's very unfortunate. But one thing the FDA has never done is required emergency room doctors or doctors actually treat women for these complications to report these adverse events. But the one thing in 2016 that the end of the Obama administration that they required or took away was not reporting any non-fatal complications. So a woman could go to the emergency room, have to be resuscitated twice, almost bleed out to death. And the FDA says, we don't want to know about that complication. Hmm. And then during the Biden administration says, well, we're not getting a lot of information on complications. So we think this is going to be okay. And we can remove uh, the requirement to at least have an in-person visit. And you can just have this by done by mail. And the courts have repeatedly now struck down the FDA's decisions based on such flawed data reporting. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. And uh, is it Eric Baptist or is it Baptiste? How do I say your name? Saying it right? It's Baptist, just like the church. Just like the church. All right. Eric Baptist and uh, from uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. He is a senior counsel there, and he's working on a case that has been working through the courts on the abortion pill and uh, the FDA that has not, in a genuine or scientific way, uh, approved this drug in any way that is any good. So where is it at in the courts now, and what is the next step here? Well, we wanted the district court and all of our claims to take the drug off the marketplace because the approval was illegal, because pregnancy is not an illness. So does that mean it's completely off the marketplace now? You can't well, get it. No, there, there was, unfortunately, in April, the Supreme Court hit the pause button on our victories. That's right. Uh, one could argue that we were winning too much too quickly after 22 years of having this drug on the marketplace. The Supreme Court hit the pause button and says, let's go through this the normal appeals process. So just last week, we won on the, on the Court of Appeals, striking on the Obama era and Biden era changes to this regimen, which were highly dangerous to women and girls who take this drug. And now the Biden administration says they're going to take this on appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. They typically have 90 days. So maybe by November, we'll see an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court by the Biden administration on this. So that is coming soon. How do you feel about it? I mean, do you feel like that the courts are definitely seeing your argument here and the the safety concerns that should be real uh, with any medication? Yeah. And frankly, this is so egregious. Um, Some people talk about the broader implications for FDA drug approvals. I'm not aware of anything so egregious that the FDA has done in any other context with drugs, but because it's an abortion, sometimes we call it the abortion distortion, where the rules are bent and and corners are cut by federal agencies. And here, that's what we're seeing with the FDA. But I think there's a healthy skepticism by the U.S. Supreme Court these days of federal agency action or overreach, failing to follow the rules that they're supposed to comply with. Mm. And so I think I'm, I'm I'm hopefully confident and prayerfully hopeful 
that we will succeed at the Supreme Court. But I always ask for people's prayers and support along the way. The you know this is a uh, it's a serious crisis I think in the the big picture that the organizations that we have that are there to protect us and I I know a lot of people in the pharmaceutical industry who have worked very hard for years on certain drugs and they have some pretty good results and they start to submit to the FDA the FDA and they get shot down right it happens a lot there's a lot of scrutiny that normally happens but it sounds like on these political issues with this. Uh, you know, I think some people have some questions about, you know, ultimately what's going to happen about the COVID vaccines and some other stuff. Uh, this is something that is dangerous, not just to people's health, but also to people's confidence in what the FDA is doing. That's right. And the FDA says, well, this lawsuit's undermined the confidence uh, from the American people in their drug approvals. I said, well, FDA, you did it to yourself. You know, it takes one bad decision to undermine every good thing that you've done in theory. And so, you know, make amends and pull back this drug approval. Take this drug back off the marketplace. You've done that for other drugs where the FDA has made mistakes. But here they refuse to because it's highly politicized. The division which reviews the abortion drug, highly politicized. And so sometimes you just need the courts to step in when they overstep their legal bounds. When the FDA considers, in order to move forward in this way, they consider uh, pregnancy to be an illness, and they classify it that way. It's a way around the system, but it's not real. Are, do you have any sense, and maybe this is a little bit outside the scope of what your work is here, but any sense of actual scientists objecting to this? I mean, are there people who come to you and say, hey, I worked on this, and I'm part of this, and I'm, maybe I'm at the FDA. This is wrong. We don't have any actual FDA whistleblowers, yeah. but we do have doctors from across this country. Our clients in this case are emergency room doctors, frontline doctors, who have seen the harms that these drugs have caused. They have women who come in who need blood transfusions, who need to be resuscitated. They have heard stories of women who've died. They have had to save so many women's lives because of this this drug. So they see firsthand. They don't need to conduct the studies to see what the, the damage these drugs do. Mm. Um but at the same time, we, there are some research out there that our, our allies have collected and looked at the publicly available information that show that the complication rates can be significantly high. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for people who are listening in here, it's something, you know, it's something that you've got to understand is when things get so politically charged and there is some uh, advocacy going on for an issue and not the science of it. The the people who hurt are the women who take these pills, who think those there's nothing to it, who thinks I'm going to be fine. Uh, and it's a crime. It is a, it is an atrocity, I think. Uh, maybe that's uh, not too big of a word, actually, on there. Eric, uh, you know, as far as other things in the, the, the legal world of abortion after Dobbs, what are some other things that people should be praying for? Uh, with ADF and similar organizations that are fighting for uh, these women and fighting for these unborn children. Um, what What's next? What's coming up next? Well, there's so many new battlefronts after, after the Dom's decision. You know, there's, there's, as you probably, as everybody knows, within the states, there are various challenges or trying to, you know, attempts to change state constitutions. And that's very important. I, I at ADF, I work on kind of the, what I call the Biden Accountability Project, because the Biden administration, more than any other previous Democratic administration, has focused on abortion, making it their top priority to put it out as much as possible. And so there have been a lot of bad decisions. We're trying to force pharmacies to stock and distribute 
uh, chemical abortion drugs. We've challenged that in court. They try to force emergency room doctors to complete elective abortions. Uh, we challenged that in court and succeeded. Now that's on appeal as well. So I, I think there are many fronts that are next here. I think the states will play an important role and they also holding the federal government, in particular the Biden administration in check, will be very important in the next year. I think people may not understand how behind the scenes the Biden administration has been so incredibly aggressive uh, on this issue. You know, it used to be, even Democrats used to say uh, safe, legal, and rare, you know, was kind of the idea. But it seems like uh, we just want our abortions more and more often. Yeah, people are probably look back at the Clinton administration as more of a pro-life administration than the current state of affairs these days. That is a, that's an incredible statement, but probably true, right? Safe, legal, and rare. That was uh, the idea, but that has definitely changed, and people need to understand that as we come into a presidential election, and and uh, and like you said, statewide elections where people are. We just lost one in California where we changed um, the constitution to that would open up the door to abortions happening uh, all the way up through nine months without any question, and also even the potential of allowing doctors to let children die even after birth. It is a, it's a terrible thing that is, is going on around the country today. Indeed. Yeah. Eric, uh, Eric Baptist from uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, how can people best help you and reach you? We want to pray for you and pray for ADF and other organizations working on this. What's the best way people can reach you? I always recommend people go to our website, adflegal.org. You can learn more about our case. It's called Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine versus the FPA and our other lawsuits challenging the Biden administration, defending religious liberty and freedom of speech. We do a lot of good work out there. So we appreciate your prayers and support along the way. All right, Eric Baptist, thanks for joining me today on the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you. All right, God bless you and everything that you do. You know, Alliance Defending Freedom... Uh, is a amazing organization. I worked with them as a pastor on the, not about abortion related, but other things defending the religious liberty rights of uh, many people. And they did our work for they did our work for free, um, not free. I mean, people donated to them and people gave money so that that could happen. But the attorneys that they sent us did the work for free. And uh, you know what? It was a curious thing. And being in California. You know, there was a an issue that really was a constitutional issue that I had to deal with regarding a preschool. Basically, the state of California was is looking for ways to separate church preschools um, from the church. Meaning that, as a if your church, and this is true in any religion, if you're another faith, you have an exemption. You are allowed to ask people about their religion and what they believe. You're not allowed to do that for most jobs, right? Is that you have uh, freedom against being discriminated against because of your religion, except if you work for a church, it's okay for a Christian church to ask you about your faith and what you believe about Jesus. Similarly, it's okay for a, uh, you know, a mosque to ask you if you're going to be an employee of that mosque, you know, what do you believe about Islam? You know, would you fit in here? Uh, those things are okay. The state doesn't like that when it comes to anything outside of what happens in your church building. They don't like it with religious schools. They don't like it with any sort of religious nonprofit, and they're working hard. And uh, they did something with us to try to um, separate our preschool, and it had to do with the laws um, that surround um, Oh, what's it called? Unemployment, basically. If you work for a nonprofit, you don't qualify for unemployment. And uh, there's a, there's some constitutional issues that are well decided about that. And it was an interesting thing. Uh, somebody, uh, they qualified somebody for it who is not qualified, and it was unconstitutional on its face. 
And uh, ADF came in and they helped us out uh, defending ourselves. And the interesting thing they said to me was this. They said, you know, if this were any other state but California, they said, we would think this is a clerical error because this doesn't even make any sense what they're trying to do. And then they said, but because you're in California, we think this is this could be deliberate. And so, therefore, they decided to to help us out. And this was kind of a very low-level thing. We never actually went to court, okay, just some hearings and some other local administrative things, which we lost, by the way. But even though we lost, the state couldn't do anything because it's illegal. The the courts, you know, these, these administrative hearings, they were unable to give the state of California their right to do something illegal, which makes sense, right? It was, And there were some other things in our structure that worked in our favor. But uh, all that's to say is uh, groups like this that are working hard in this abortion pill case and working hard on religious liberty cases that you hear about, uh, the battle is fierce, and there are some really smart people who are working, and uh, so be grateful for them. Pray for them. They're, they're right in the arena of some of the hardest things coming. And the abortion pill thing is horrific. You know, when uh, CNN reported that this abortion pill is the same, you know, has the same safety concerns as Tylenol. That's completely false. What it, what they were trying to cite and deliberately citing incorrectly was if you OD'd on Tylenol, then the kind of stomach problems and other problems that you might face are in that ballpark, although that's probably not even the case there. But you would have to have like a whole bottle of Tylenol to have the bleeding and other problems that this abortion pill often causes. And they just lied about it. And we've got to understand that while there's great science being done and that there's, I think, most things we can we can trust, there are things going on that are political and the that are being manipulated in ways that are not scientific, they are not helpful, and it's just downright evil when it comes to this. And it hurts. It hurts the women. It obviously hurts the unborn child who's killed, and, but it hurts the women who are trusting that. It hurts... Uh, people who are trusting these processes. This is a place we've got to pray, and we've got to be wise to it. We've got to be smart about this. It's another reason, my friends, we've got to pay attention to the vote. Speaking of all of that, are you prepared to put a mask back on? Uh, that might be happening pretty soon right here in California. They really should wear the mask. Yeah, uh, that might be coming. Uh, are you going to do it if your employer asks you to? How do you respond to that? If an employer says, I'm right, going back to the mask mandates, I think people feel differently about it. We'll talk about that uh, and some other things as the Pastor Scott Show continues in just a moment. You can follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show, and you can get the podcast uh, by looking for the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Thursday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. When somebody gets indicted, your poll numbers go down. When somebody gets indicted, you announce, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be leaving to spend time with my family and to fight for the rest of my life on this stuff. But you're out of politics. I got indicted four times. All trivia, nonsense. It's all It's horrible when you look and, and you look at what they're doing. Uh, the boxes hoax. I'm covered by the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do exactly that. He's not covered, and he's got 25 times the number of boxes. 
That was Donald Trump being interviewed yesterday on uh, Tucker Carlson in a recorded interview that aired during the Republican debate. And uh, I'm playing that because right now Donald Trump is uh, on his way to the courthouse in Atlanta to be uh, processed again and arrested. And the interesting thing is people are waiting for his mugshot. There's been no mugshot on the rest of them. And, you know, I'm betting that his mugshot will look great, that he's going to smile, that he's going to have a suit on. He's going to look really great so that, you know, people will look at that mugshot and go, this doesn't look like a criminal. Now, Rudy Giuliani's mugshot, if you check that out, he he looks terrible. You know, not a good mugshot. Jenna Ellis, who was also one of his lawyers who got indicted in this, hers looks fantastic. So if you want to see that, we'll post it on our social media at Pastor Scott Show uh, on Twitter or X. Just look for at Pastor Scott Show and click uh, click the uh, follow button. And uh, we're on Instagram now at Pastor Scott Show. We don't have a lot posted on there yet, but we'll post this and uh, check it out. So we've been having some fun uh, with that subject. Uh, hey, the uh, the mask thing looks like it's coming back. Do you know this, that mask mandates are coming back, that even here in Los Angeles and some places across the country, mask mandates are back. First of all, we are not done with COVID. We know that. This is Fauci, Dr. Fauci, this week. First of all, we are not done with COVID. We know that. I mean, if you look at just the last uh, couple of weeks that the number of cases last week are 12% greater than they were the week before and 25% greater than they were two weeks ago. So the uh, COVID is getting, uh, you know, coming into fall here and increasing. COVID's, I think, with us forever. I think that that's probably right. Is And uh, it's kind of at the level of, uh, of a flu or a cold. And uh, it's certainly a bad respiratory disease, especially if you have comorbidities or if you're much older. Um, but the big issue coming up now is, are the mask mandates coming back? And they are being mandated at Lionsgate Studios right here in Los Angeles. And uh, they are being considered all across the country. They really should wear the mask. The question I have is, how are you going to deal with this at your com- your company if you are asked to wear a mask? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. And, you know, when I talk about this, I realize that some people are going to say, yeah, wear a mask. You know, in fact, I was moving around uh, the other day in a few different places in Burbank, and there's still a lot of masks in that part of town anyway, right? So, But uh, I did notice some tension from some people because I wasn't wearing one, but most people weren't wearing one, but a few people are. But I've noticed an increase in this. And, you know, when you get into the data and stuff, there's some competing ideas about it. But most of it seems to indicate that the N95 mask, which is specific type of mask that you wear, that if you wear that and if you wear it properly and if you do all the stuff you're supposed to do, rotating it out every whatever the different uh, period of time I've read an hour or three hours or different things to throw it out, then it might provide some protection. But I've also read other stuff that says a lot of the masks that we wear don't provide any protection, um, you know, except for maybe if you cough or you sneeze. Uh, I'm curious about what is the criteria for saying, you know what, we're not going to do this. We're, you know, or the criteria that says, you know what, we really ought to do this. Like maybe you were against it at one point and now you're, now you're going to say, ah, we probably should. Uh, I think there's a point where if, you know, if everybody's really sick and people are dying, I think that people will voluntarily do whatever they can, whether it works or not. I think that's how people operate. But if the numbers are what they are now and they increase a little bit, I think that, I think people are very, very skeptical about, 
uh, anybody who says that, especially the typical sort of throwaway masks that we have, are, are any good. 888-528-2557. Jim in Azusa, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yeah, I, I think they're not a, they're not effective, and I hope that we don't have to go back to wearing them. I hope not. I, I may not wear it, even if they say I have to wear it. I may not wear it. I'm wondering if if there's going to be a lot more of that this time. If they have, if we have county mask mandates, which I think we might be headed toward. I'm, I'm hoping not. I feel like the the polling on that probably says politically don't do it. Um, but I'm not sure that people are paying attention to that. Um, well, maybe I'll just move out of California. I'm I'm sick and tired of their. <laughs> Politics, anyhow. I'm yeah. single, and I'm sick and tired of their politics, anyhow. Yeah. Are you working, Jim? Do you work somewhere? Yeah. No. No. I, I I'm retired, and uh, I got I live on Social Security, and a two hundred forty-seven dollar and seventy-two cent check from SSI. Okay. And if you left California, where would you go? Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma. Okay. Why Oklahoma? They're very conservative there. They have a conservative Republican governor. They have a conservative Republican uh, legislature. There's more white people there. They'll speak English. That's why. All right. All right, Jim. Okay, those are a lot of reasons, you know. uh, But, uh, you know, what happens if Oklahoma decides they're going to have the mask mandates on there? You know, 888-528-2557. What I'd like to know is this, is if your company requires you to wear a mask, or you're working at Lionsgate, or you go to school somewhere, and they require you to wear a mask, and maybe you were comfortable with it before, and you didn't mind, are you still comfortable with it? You know, where are we going to come down with this? And I'm, I'm saying it because when you just take a look at the news, and all of the news stories, suddenly there's a lot of news stories, major news sources, okay, CBS News, as COVID cases flare, some schools and businesses reinstate mask mandates. And this is happening everywhere. And uh, the colleges, Morris Brown College in Atlanta announced this week uh, that they're reinstating its mask mandate for two weeks. And uh, they're saying that there will be no parties, no gatherings, no large student events on campus for the next two weeks, two weeks to flatten the curve. We've heard that before. Is this coming back? Is this COVID round three? Are we going to have shutdowns again this fall? I, I want to say no, but I'm amazed when I Google this, how many stories are here about this? Uh, how many different stories? Is it coming back? And, and what do we, you know, if I don't want to minimize that some people get sick and they die. And in fact, I know uh, at least one person who got COVID recently and whatever the current strain is. He was really sick for a week. I've had COVID and it was awful for a week. My son got it, uh, we think. What's funny is, and this is kind of where I'm at with it, is that my son, James, several weeks ago now, he was really sick for like a week. And But the interesting thing is, is that it didn't even occur to us that it could be COVID until after he was better. Like that's how far removed my family has been from worrying about this or considering it, is that it was after the fact that we thought, you know what, I bet he had COVID. You know, he was really sick with a fever for a day or two, and then he was lethargic for a few days. That's how I I got with it. And uh, it was no fun. And I know people who died of it. I know people who have had the long COVID. It's a thing. So I don't think it's not a thing. But I don't think that we have a consensus among the people, and I don't think that there is a clear scientific evidence that the masks work, especially masks that aren't the N95 or higher-grade masks, and also worn 
uh, worn properly. There, there's so many different things to make that mask work, if it works at all. Um, what I want to know is, what's the criteria if you decide your company says you're going to wear a mask for you to say, nope, I'm not going to do it? Like, what is the criteria to say to, you know, and this can be brought out for anything sort of that is now brought to us scientifically on any sort of argument. When do I decide? What's the criteria for deciding that this is not something I'm going to trust? What I mean by that is, you know, if you, I heard a speaker talk about this the other day. He said, if you are buying a house and you talk to 20 realtors and 19 of them tell you this is a bad house, you should not buy it. But one of them says, no, you should buy it. Are you going to listen to that one guy or are you going to listen to the other 19? Well, you're probably going to listen to the 19, right? You're probably going to go with the consensus there. But what if it is 12 to 8? I think when it comes to a house, you're probably still going to be nervous that there's 12 people saying no. But at some point, when do you take the minority view on something? When is it rational? When is it something that it isn't just a hunch? You've got to be real careful just in how things feel. When is it rational to say, hey, there's a, a view being presented by people who are experts, but I'm not going to go for that. You know, I'm going to go another way. Now, when's the rational way to make that decision? 888-528-2557. Alyssa in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Oh, wow. Hi. Hi I didn't Alyssa. realize I would get on that quick. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you? Think- you wearing a mask today? Uh- you don't even want to get me started on math. Uh, this is absolutely absurdity. I, you know, it, it it just it shocks me that people cannot use their own common sense. You don't want to get me started on Fauci, a man who literally changed his opinions by the minute, by the day, by. Whatever. And he's not the one in charge anymore, so he'll be on some interviews. Thank God. Um, They're probably bringing him back. They're probably bringing him back. He'll be around. He's going to reappear. So so it sounds to me. Everyone back on lockdown. Yeah, Alyssa, so it sounds to me that you don't plan on wearing a mask if they ask you to. Not only do I not plan on wearing a mask, I don't plan on taking any injections, no mask. (laughs) Uh, Since when do we lock down because people have the flu? I am 60 years old. Do you know how many flus we've had, gone through this, that, and the third? So every time there's a flu, we're now going to lock down the world and mask everyone up again? This is clear absurdity. Yeah, I don't know if that's what's going on, but there's something happening now. It's fear. It's called fear-mongering. It might be fear-mongering. i got to take a break, Alyssa. Thank you for calling the Pastor Scott Show. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. You can watch the Pastor Scott Show now on KKLA.com if you miss an hour of the show, Pastor Scott Show podcast. And you can follow us on socials at Pastor Scott Show. Uh, What is the rationale? for deciding to go against a mask mandate, say at your employer, or if a county makes us wear a mask again, which apparently is on the table. We'll talk about that. Uh, Brian, I see your call. I'll get to other calls uh, as the Pastor Scott Show's Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. 
Now, back to the show. This has been never really about a pandemic. It's been about generating fear. And we've known this. We, we still have a whole autopsy to do on how awful everything was, all of these mandates, etc. That was Tammy Bruce talking about uh, the mandates and responding to the idea that uh, mask mandates are coming back. They have been mandated already at Lionsgate here, studios here in Los Angeles, at a university in Atlanta, two weeks uh, to flatten the curve. And you are not only have to wear masks, but you are not allowed to have large gatherings. Remember that? Remember it. Thanksgiving. Uh, I remember talking about the Thanksgiving restrictions, and one of them was you are, are not allowed to uh, bring or play wind instruments at your Thanksgiving gathering. What's wrong with that? Well, you know what? I like to, like everybody else, I like to bring my saxophone to my Thanksgiving gatherings. But, you know, the government got into so many, so much business of people, and much of what was said, not everything, but much of what was said was not accurate. And now I think that there is such a profound mistrust uh, in government. I'm afraid that if there really is something where you ought to wear a mask or you ought to stay home or you ought to do something, everyone's going to say, forget it and not do it. Like, I think that it's uh, the government certainly can cry wolf and uh, they might have done that. How are you? What's the rationale that we use to say, you know what, I'm not going to do it if we are asked to uh, put the masks on, for example? 888-528-2557. Brian in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Brian. Go ahead. Turn your radio down a little bit. All right, Brian, I'm going to put you on hold, and you can turn your radio down. I'll come back to you. Samuel in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, how are you doing, Pastor Scott? I'm good, Samuel. Um, how are you? I'm in, I'm in total agreement with your, what you just said about this government trying to roll. Um, I, I didn't agree with that. I did a lot of homework on it. I, I listened to a lot of doctors on both ends. And I made my decision that I personally wasn't going to wear a mask. I didn't think they worked from everything that I read. And uh, so I didn't. And I won't, I won't do it. I, I didn't go to establishments that required it. I said, I'll go to another one or eight at home. I just refused to fall into that. And um, I'll do the same thing this time. Now, did you have a job that required you to do it? We work. I work in the construction industry, mm-hmm. and when we got uh, when we got shut down, uh, we were pretty much told we were done. We weren't going to work, and then we read through it and figured that we're essential workers. We found out we could could work. So I worked. I only missed one day. I worked the whole time, mm-hmm. and we worked among. I worked among three to twenty people, twenty five people a day, and on my particular jobs and my particular crews, I, I left that up to the people. They were on my cruise, and I told them, listen, if, if you want to wear it, that's your decision. If you don't want to wear it, I'm not going to force you. I did ask them that if, if the homeowner on, please respect that and put a mask on. And then after that, if you don't want to, don't. Yeah. And uh, I worked like that two years. I eventually got COVID, lung COVID, double COVID. Uh, I ended up in the hospital 54 days. Wow. And uh, But it had nothing to do with, had nothing to do with the mask, Mike. My my friend was fully vaccinated, boosted. Um, myself, my wife weren't, and we ended up contracting it from her. Um, she got uh, my wife got a monoclonal shot. She ended up getting a shot. She ended up getting COVID. Her and her husband pretty bad, mm. but they didn't end up in the hospital. Um, talking to the nurses in the hospital, some of the nurses were were the same way. They, they weren't going to wear the mask. They were forced to. They had to. Some of them were vaccinated. Some weren't. Um, there was a lot of confusion. Yeah. Samuel, I want to. Yeah. 
Samuel, I appreciate your call. I'm glad that you recovered from that. You know, it's a reminder oh. you know, in, in this discussion that it's real, right, that some people got very sick. Oh, yeah, it's real. I, my, my, me, I got the wrong meds. They gave me the wrong meds. And uh, I had information in the lungs. The meds they gave me. Yeah, yep, that was a lot of the early problems. Samuel, I got to go into the next call. I appreciate that. You know, it's uh, part of the reason the deaths went down is because we learned how to how to deal with it right, and the medications and some of the things that were done initially were pretty bad. Barbara writes uh, the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, Pastor Scott Show was it? No, it's Pastor Scott at KKLA dot com is our email address, and she writes uh, to remind me that uh, you know these mandates are not law; they're they're ordinances. And uh, that, I think, is a big difference here, too. Something else that, you know, as a, as a culture, we need to understand where authority even comes from. And, you know, when health people who are not elected, who are appointed to positions, had the ability to just shut down businesses and control people's lives in a certain way, uh, that's a really big deal. Even if they turned out to be right, right, it's still a big deal. Um, 888-528-2557. Brian in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. I work at the Public Health of L.A. County. Yeah. And what I want to sh- share is that based on working there and what I see, there's a big discrepancy. There's a discrepancy between the Public Health, CDC, and the National Institute of Health. Yeah. It, I, I encourage all your listeners to look up IgG4 and the COVID vaccine 19. Basically, IgG4 is something that came out from the National Institute of Health indicating that people who are over-vaccinated, now their systems, uh, immune systems are being compromised, and their own immune systems cannot fight anything that they're going to catch. So this is over-vaccination. So they can look yeah. it up as IgG4 and the COVID vaccine. It is a, a whole uh, thing from the National Institute Yeah, I just looked it up, and you're right. It's IgG4. I have not read it, but I'll, it's at the National Institutes of Health. I'll give that a read. Uh, and you work, at the, read. You, you work at the at the uh, county health, is that what you said? Yep, I work at the public health of County of L.A. Are we putting masks on again? Is that coming? There's nobody in that in the office wearing masks. The only ones that go and wear masks are the surveyors. The surveyors that go out to hospitals mm-hmm. who are basically going checking for all kinds of reasons. The only ones that wear it, but they don't even wear it in the office. Yeah. So there's a big discrepancy what happens out in public and what's actually happening at the county of health. Yeah. All right, Brian. I appreciate that. You know that's been a big thing. There's there's all these videos right of uh, public officials who off camera when they think they're off camera, but somebody's got their cell phone going or it's on C-SPAN or something, so the camera's just always on. They're like literally standing there talking with people with no mask, and then they, when it's time for them to go to the podium, they put the mask on, they walk to the podium, then they take the mask off. It was for show. And I think when people see that, even if there's a rationale for doing that, when people see that, and I don't know what that rationale would be, but when people see that, they go, well, this isn't real. All right, 888-528-2557. Anne in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Oh, yes. Hi. Hi uh, I'm one of the uh, rare people that never stops wearing my mask or glove. Okay, and so you I, wear a mask and glove. Were you doing that before the COVID or just since that started? Since COVID started. Okay. I Now, for me, I can only speak for myself. I have never had symptoms, never been tested once. I don't try to force it on anyone else either. I mm-hmm. was born with uh, asthma, and I just want to take my own precautions. But I can say that prior to, my son used to call me a dermaphobe, 
because I wouldn't even touch the like um, ATMs because I had uh, read where there's so so many diseases and E. coli and everything on there. I would use my car key. Yeah. But who just gave me more peace at hey, I can walk around like you know and and just wear my gloves everywhere without any uh, worry that okay, you were just blowing your nose over here and then now you go and touch the tuna. Or, you know, the bread. And yeah. now I'm coming behind you touching the bread and what have you. I um, have been asked multiple times recently, whenever I go to a store, cashier, why are you wearing your gloves? And I say, just imagine if everyone had worn their gloves, everyone had worn their mask, everyone had gotten vaccinated, everyone had gotten boosted. Where would we be today, three and a half years later? I don't know, and I'm not trying to tell anyone what to do. But what I can say is that we have had pandemics before. We've had epidemics before. They've gone away. This is not going away. And yet, the deaths have gone down. But know that yeah. every single day in America, something like, I don't remember now, I looked at it about a month ago, but somewhere around 15,000, 20,000 people are still dying every single day. Yeah, in America right now alone. There's a lot and of people dying about... This, I'm almost out of time here, Anne. I appreciate uh, your call. Can I just ask you this question? Do you feel like people should be mandated to wear a mask, or should it be their choice? I think it should be their choice, but also don't try and force me not to or make me feel like I'm stupid or don't have common sense. Yeah. I have three college degrees. Yeah, I have I, very much common sense. Yeah, I think, that, okay. I think that that's another argument, too, is that you shouldn't be mocked because you're making that choice yourself. Uh, and you've got. And, and one, one, I can say one quick thing. The difference in cold and flu. We have cold and flu season. This is COVID is every day, year round. People are dying every day. Since. All right, and thank you for calling. I'm almost out of time here. You know, it's an interesting thing. We'll see where this goes. You know, I think uh, there's just going to be so much skepticism about about this. One of the things I think that when you're trying to decide whether or not you should do something or or go against the experts, whether it's your doctor or something here. You know, one of them is is can you can you can you understand that they're making the decision for reasons that might not be scientific? Is there a real good path to say it's sociological or that it is political or there's other stuff? You know, those are some things to weigh in our decisions on this and I think uh it's a much bigger conversation. We're out of time. But, you know, there is a rationale, I think, for how you decide to reject experts' advice um, that I think is wise. Uh, And there's a rationale for not to reject experts' advice that's wise. But we're out of time for that today. It'll be wise for you to tune in tomorrow. You can also get our podcast by going to the Pastor Scott Show uh, podcast. Click subscribe and go to kkla.com and watch us. And you can find us on socials now at Pastor Scott Show, at Pastor Scott Show. God bless you, everybody. I will see you tomorrow from 3 to 5 in the Pastor Scott Show. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.